Hello and welcome to the Casual Footy Fan Podcast with me, the Casual Stoke City Fan. I'm joined by my co-host, the Casual City Fan. This week, we'll be discussing, are United back in the title race? And is Jesus fit to lead the line for City? And I'll bring up who will finish top four this season in the Prem. And we both get the Manchester derby catastrophically wrong. Hello, episode one. Very exciting. Casual City fan, what have you got to discuss with us today? Well, the first point I would like to discuss is are United back in the title race? Because obviously they beat City 2-0 at the weekend, a convincing win for United. They look sound defensively and very good attackingly. And with City also just playing against Southampton, they looked a bit shaky at the back. So can United make those 11 points up? And what do you think? And this is what I'd like to discuss. Well, I was looking at their run of form and their run of games. And in my opinion, I do not think they can make it. No. United at the moment are very inconsistent. Their last 10 games were yeah. a win, draw, draw, win, draw, draw, win, draw, loss, draw. Jeez. And if they keep on doing that, they're not going to be able to get get make those 11 points. I think, what do you think? No, no, I agree. I think drawing nil-nil with Palace is not conducive, does not lead to you winning the title, even if you do beat City. Because what I would say now is the title, it's in City's hands. It, the title is absolutely City's to lose at this point. I agree there. because it's not United's to gain. United could win all their games, but they would still need City to drop points. And that's yeah. the difficult thing when City, in their next last 10 games, they have Fulham, Leeds, Palace, Newcastle and Brighton. And those are games they should be winning convincingly. Yeah. And then and, the flip side, yeah. and you got United, who got West Ham, they could lose that, Tottenham, Liverpool, Villa, Leicester, and even Wolves. Yeah, so I think they are... It's very much... City have got... I would go so far as to say a hand and a half on the title now. It's really... Can City keep it up to the end of the season? And there's nothing really to suggest that they can't. Also, because they've been quite lucky with injuries as well, haven't they? They've got a fully fit squad. Yeah. Easily rotate. I can't... The only thing is if they go on a losing, losing run, that could demoralise them. Because the thing with City is... You saw them on the weekend. The minute they, they considered two minutes, and they didn't look, look the same since. The confidence was gone. So that's the only concern. But I can't see them losing as many games. You say that. You, you say that. But this City team, let's not forget, at the start, near the start of the season, they lost 5 1 to Leicester. People call him Pep out, Pep out. Pep's lost his touch. It's, he's had his three years. And then now, you know, such an informed team. They lost against United. It happens. Uh, I think one thing that has changed since the start of the season was the signing of Ruben Diaz. Ruben Diaz obviously wasn't yeah. playing for City when we lost 5-2 five, five, to Leicester. And after the signing of Diaz, I feel like City have taken a completely different, different, different mentality to games as they yeah. sit more deeply, not as rash, don't push as many players forward, especially the centre-backs. 
and you say sick one. Yeah, and you say that they were shaky tonight defensively. Obviously, they conceded a penalty and open play goal. You maybe wouldn't expect that. Um, Ruben Diaz wasn't wasn't starting tonight. Am I right in saying that? Uh, John Stones wasn't starting with Laporte, and it was quite funny. Laporte who conceded the penalty with a needless needless shove and. The goal from open play was a bit scrappy to concede. Balls bouncing around the box. Got to Jay Adams. I think it was Bernardo Silva who gave the ball away. Just a silly thing. And he just tapped it home to an empty yeah. net. So it wasn't a worrying display. And also, I think the difference was that confidence was high against Southampton. Yeah. We were creating chances, but actually putting ourselves into scoring opportunities and scoring. We yeah. scored five goals from open play, and yeah, we just looked the better on the ball. And the crazy thing is that City have scored so many goals this season, and I know you're going to touch on this later, so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cramp your style. But without having really a proper striker, their top their top scorer is Gundogan. I feel like this always happens with City. Is no. well since Pep is that. The goals are very spread around. And I think one of yeah. the main reasons for that is the rotation that Pep does. He, you look at Liverpool, do they ever drop Salah? No. So that's why he scores as many goals. Jesus doesn't start every game. Foden doesn't start every game. Gundogan doesn't even start every game when the full fit, when the yeah. full squad is split. He has so many plays to rotate. So the goals and are that's quite such a, spread yeah. out. And that's such a benefit what? in terms of injuries as well. Yeah. One thing I do want to point out is that I feel like Mahrez is becoming a very good player for City. Just just watching him today, he was brilliant on the ball and probably one of City's best players. And I think he scored a lot. And I think I think he's been a source to a lot of the goals. And people yeah. find it I think he's quite underrated. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I don't think he's been I don't yeah, no, I don't think he's been respected enough since leaving Leicester. Uh, and I sort of think actually it was, um, I think it was a Leicester fan saying that actually Leicester have never been able to replace Mars because it kind of felt when he left that it was an unnecessary signing for City. Do you know what I mean? They had so many players in that position and he's been great for them. I, and he is I underrated. I completely agree there because in the first season, barely got any playtime. Yeah. He's 50 million wasted. Yeah. But now he's plays a lot of games and he plays very well in... You're very creative. Yeah, but I think I think you'd agree that it is difficult to find any evidence to suggest that City City are in control. It's theirs to lose, and United I, United United can't win the title by playing well alone. They have to hope that City slip up. Would you agree? Is that your yes? I completely conclusion? agree. And another thing with United is I've, I've watched a couple of United games this season, and they're not they're not consistent controlling the game throughout. They against yeah. Fulham. They'd have like 40 minutes where Fulham were dominating them, but they were dominating the other 50 minutes. But they just have periods like that. And that's when they conceded goals. Conceded yeah. against Fulham. Sheffield United. Sheffield United had like a 20 minute break where they started playing well again. And that's where they conceded. And that's the problem with United. Yeah. They may be able to beat City, but if you can't beat Sheffield United, you're not in control of the title. I think, I think we can conclude on that point there. I, I, I agree. Agree. Right then, next point is one of my own. Um, is who's going to finish top four this season? And I am going to 
predict boldly, perhaps. I know that you disagree on this, but I believe that the top four this season is going to be currently the top four on the table, coincidentally. Man City, Man United, Chelsea, Leicester. I don't necessarily say that in that order. But I, I'm convinced, not convinced, but I, I'm confident that that will be the top four this season in terms of Europa League, because I think you're going to ask me that, uh, or in terms of sixth and seventh, I think West Ham and Tottenham will get it. And I'm sorry to say, and it pains me to say, not because I'm a sort of Everton or Liverpool supporter, but it does pain me to say that I don't think either of those teams are going to finish in the traditional Europa League place. I think they'll finish seventh and eighth. I know you disagree with me, but that is, I'm setting my stall out. I'm ready to be proved wrong. I'm happy to be proved wrong. I'd like so, to see other teams up there. But that one is... thing I completely disagree with you is Leicester and Everton. Leicester are brilliant at the moment, but they've been brilliant for a while. So I feel like Leicester have had quite high points total for a while. Yeah. And now you're starting to see that their injuries are really starting to hurt them. No Madison, no Barnes, no James Justin. And fair play, they've been keeping at the top with still having cons- consistent injuries. But I think the injuries to those two key midfield players is going to wreck Leicester. Last season, Leicester were flying high and they just seemed to drop off again. And I, I can maybe they won't drop us off as much. I can see other teams because it's so tight at the top at the moment. I think if all teams win their game in hands, there's only between seventh and seventh and fourth, there's only five points in it. Yeah. And with nine games between the top six, the current top six to go, I feel like just losing a couple of games to those big teams could put you out of the top four already. And I think Everton are very, very good, very consistent. And they're doing quite well with injuries. They have a solid defence, solid attack. DCL is back. He'll start scoring soon. And I can't see them not getting European football at the moment. Let me put this to you. Everton played 27 games. That's one less than Leicester currently. Today, the 10th of March. They have 46 points. Leicester have 53 points. Um... Everton have a game in hand, they can go up to 49 points. That's still a four-point gap. Also, you say that they're solid defensively and they have a good attack. Do you think the team that have the ninth most goals this season and the 15th most clean sheets, I know clean sheets don't win you games, but the 15th most clean sheets is going to be a top four team. This is what I'm putting to you. In terms of most wins or sort of wins, goals, and clean sheets. Leicester, a second in wins. They've got the second most wins this season. They've got the third most goals. That is sort of, you know, that's Champions League place stats. So the reason I think that Leicester are going to drop off is because the games they have coming up are really difficult. They have four games against top, top-tier top footballs. They're playing against West Ham. And then the last three games is where I feel like they could drop from fifth down to eighth because it's so tight at the top because they're playing against their last three games are United, Chelsea and Tottenham. And I can't see them winning any of those three games because obviously they're contending for Europe. And nine points dropped could be the killer of their season. And that's where I think Leicester will lose it 
is in those last three games where the other teams have much easier games. I think that's where they will lose it. Drop points. Other teams might overtake them only by one point or two, and that'll be enough to get them just completely destroy their season. I would, I accept your point, and they do have tough games, but I do think, I do think they can, I think they can beat Tottenham. I can imagine it. Okay, well, you don't Tottenham's think current form, scoring four past Palace and four past Burnley. We've I can't. Seen, I would say that we've seen this with Tottenham before. Is they is when they had a bit of a tough run. They beat Sheffield three one. People saying you know they're back. They're scoring goals, and they sort of continued that poor run. I, I do believe that Leicester. I believe that Leicester can do it. They've got, they've got wins in the team. They've got goals in the team. Kalachi and Nacho's hitting form, and also, obviously those last matches are going to be tough. But other and they have, as you say, four big, big, big games coming up. And they've got a big game against West Ham on 10th of April, it is. Um, but you can imagine other teams, you know, losing similar games, but it's just not at the end of the season. I think by then they might have some of their players back. We don't know when Barnes, Harvey Barnes and Madison are coming back, but you can imagine them being back by then. It could happen. Another effect that I feel like Leicester have had is Vardy. Since he's come back, he hasn't hit the ground running like people are hoping he has. He's actually been not to his best. And I think they're going to lose him, his form, because he's such a great player for them at the start of the season. He was banging goals everywhere. He was even creating. And he was fueling the counter-attack. And now with no one to feed him balls, I just I, I can't see Leicester being able to beat United, Chelsea and Tottenham with the current team they have because and the current the current form they're on and with them three football teams needing top four or top six because they're such big clubs they need Europe football I just can't see them not getting it and at this point Leicester I could feel they could even drop behind Liverpool because if they lose those three games they could drop nine possible points and that at the moment nine points Still getting down below, nearly below Arsenal. That's how close it is at the top. And with so many big games to be played. So I think I, I, that's why I don't think they will get top four or even top six. Yeah, I think we're looking at different stats. I accept your point. But obviously they won at the weekend. And I think that City, United and Chelsea will get top four. I think we both agree on that. Yeah. Chelsea are think, brilliant yeah, under Tuchel. Brilliant, defensively sound. And I don't think that Leicester necessarily need to beat those teams to get top four. Have West Ham beat those teams? Have Everton beat those teams? Tottenham, obviously they beat United. Tottenham are playing Chelsea this weekend, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Oh no, is it Arsenal? It's Arsenal. No, they're playing Arsenal, but, which is going to be a big game because at, is at the Emirates Stadium. But another thing, another team, I think we need to discuss is West Ham. Because You're okay. I've my top six, my top six is City, Chelsea. I think Chelsea will beat United just because of United's inconsistency. They got three I'm points to make up. United coming third, yeah. Everton coming fourth, Tottenham. I think West Ham they might scrape six, and then I'm I, I'm indecisive between having Leicester or Liverpool in seventh because. Yes, Liverpool are on a poor, for poor run of form, but they still have an incredible team. Yeah, the they, forwards they do. They do. One of the best in the league. And 
I wouldn't be surprised if they came up next week and they start scoring again. So that's why Liverpool think is because I think the team will be drive to get Europe football, Europa football. And I just I can't see it pains me to put them not in the top seven. It does. And, and I, that means that left out from third down to eight. And but I think sure. I think my final point, and I know we're gonna disagree on this because I think we're looking at different things. My final points, I think Leicester, it's a natural progression for them to get. Obviously, they got Europa League last season. It's natural then, not natural, but you know, it is the next progression is for them to get Champions League. They're going to be hungry for that. I can't see an Everton, a West Ham in in the top four. I don't think, I obviously don't know anything about them, but I don't think it will, I can't see it happening is what I'm trying to say. I can see everything because they have a brilliant manager. They yeah. made some insane signings this season. And I think they'll probably make some even better ones. They've got a young team who are developing together. They're playing well. They've had some injuries as well. They had Cavaloon was injured. James Hammers is still injured, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you always said James like I do. It's a joke. But I feel like I feel like Everton can do it on the runner form. They've got brilliant defenders as well. Godfrey has been one of the best signings, I think, this season. Very under the radar. Dini's good. Centre-backs, Michael Keane is brilliant as well. I watched them against Liverpool, and they're very sound defensively. I don't know. I feel like Everton, they were, I think, they didn't play the best against Chelsea. But Chelsea at the moment are uh, steamrolling games there, just turning in wins. They did quite comfortably. And when was the last? I don't think they've conceded for like five games. It's nuts. Yeah, they, they've been... Nuts defensively. I would like to conclude this debate with some simple, simple stats. They may not be great stats. You, the audience, may not agree with them as using them as stats. But for most of these clubs that I've put in the top four or the top six or not the top six, they have two of either wins, goals or clean sheets in that bracket. So Chelsea, fourth in wins, third in clean sheets. Leicester, second in wins, third in goals. West Ham, who I think will get top six. Sixth in wins, fifth in clean sheets. Tottenham are the exception. They're fifth in goals, seventh in wins. And I know these are simple stats. Everton, ninth in goals, 15th in clean sheets. Liverpool, ninth in wins, 16th in clean sheets, by the way. I think they are, you know, they're the two, in terms of clean sheets, worst defences in that bracket. And I think that those stats are what wins your game. That's what I'm looking at. You're looking at the injuries. We'll see how it goes. Agree to disagree. You'll see who's right and we'll see who's wrong. And I'm perfectly prepared to be proved wrong. And I would love to see Tottenham up there, but I'd really, really, really like to see Leicester up there. Well, I think Tottenham are a bit of a dark horse at the moment because their form is really good and they have a quite nice run of games. So I wouldn't be surprised if they if they would nick it into the top four ahead of maybe an Everton. Yeah, no, I, I think Mourinho... He's had it tough, but he does still got it. And I think the last thing, the last thing I'll say is that Tottenham, whether they do get top four or not, remains to be seen. I think it can happen. They've got a lot of points to make up. And I think points are a big deal. Leicester do have a cushion of points. But I do think Mourinho will get a trophy for them this season. And I'm, and I'm going to put a stop to it. Do you now. think they'll win the Carabao Cup? Uh. Maybe that, maybe the Europa. I think I'll get one of them. I'm saying it now. I believe. 
Interesting. So my next talking point I'd like to speak about is, is Jesus fit to replace Aguero? Is he a good enough striker? And in my opinion, after watching him against United, I don't feel like he has the quality at the moment to replace Aguero because his finishing is not good. He's not very confident on the ball. And he feels like a clumsy player. He hasn't got the best touch. I just don't feel like he's suited to be in the same role that Aguero was. What, what's your opinion there? I think this season has obviously been a disappointment. Um, six goals, that puts him in 28th. Three assists, 45th. I know goals assists, it's not perfect. But nine goals and assists this season, when Aguero's been lacking for a lot of it, isn't what you want to see from, from Jesus. You want to see a better, better numbers from him. And I know that you might disagree with me a little bit here, but I think uh, I'm onto something when I say that fancy football points are an okay way, perhaps even a good way, to assess a player overall. You know, it takes into account a lot of different things. He has 82 fancy football points this season, which is less than Neil Morpé, uh, Alexander Lacazette, Richarlison, Che Adams, Firmino, who's also on a bad season, and Callum Wilson, who's on a stellar season but has been injured for a while, quite a long while. So I think you want to see better numbers from him. So this season has obviously been a disappointment, and I'll get on to his all-time stats in a little while, but what do you think? Well, that's the thing. You, you look at other players and you think, OK, he's been outscored by Callum Wilson. And then you've got to think, Jesus should be scoring because he's, he has the players in midfield to give him the ball. He has the wide players in midfield. Callum Wilson is being fed by John Joe Selby and Longstaff, where Jesus has De Bruyne, he has Gundogan, he has Foden, he has all these creative players. That's such a great line. <laughs> and then one thing I have to give uh, Jesus credit is he did have a minor injury, which I think hit his confidence a bit because it's been a, it was a bit on and off in October, November with his injury, which is, okay. I have to give it to him. But 20 appearances, six goals, not good enough. Where you compare with Aguero, who he, 24 appearances, he had 16 goals in a season, 33 appearances, he had 21, 25, 21. And then you got Jesus, 34, only 14 goals. He's not banging them in like Aguero is. I suggest something. I'd like to suggest something. Do you know yeah. how many Premier League goals he has overall? Not just this season, overall. Have you looked into that? I'm actually not sure. Do you want to give me a guess of how many Premier League goals he has all time? Um, I think it's about 40, 50. You're right. 47, which actually was more than I expected. That is, if the stats serve, it was on the Premier League uh, app, 47 goals. That is the same amount of Premier League goals as Gareth Bale. They're pretty good numbers. 47 goals, 122 appearances. I think they're all right stats. This season's been a letdown. But I would say that those stats are pretty good for a 23. He's 23, if I'm not, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. However, and this is where sort of the however comes in, indeed, is a lot of those goals... Over 50% of those goals have come in two seasons. 1920, you got 14 goals. 
17-18, he got 13 goals. That's 27 goals over two seasons. So that's over half. That is, let me just do the quick maths on the calculator. 57% of his Premier League goals have come in those two seasons. I think the the weird thing about Jesus is that he does play quite a lot because people think of him as a, he was a bench, like a substitute to Aguero. But he actually was getting a lot of game time compared to Aguero when he was at City at the start of the season because I think Pep liked him as a player. And but he just he doesn't return. He's very good yeah. at off-the-ball movement. He's, he's like he fits more as a right forward more than a, a striker. He doesn't... Because Aguero came on against the Hampton and Aguero's pressing was brilliant. He was there. He was sitting right between both the centre-backs as a vocal point get balls in, get him on it. And I don't feel like Jesus does that. He's yeah. a bit all over the place. He's not... He, he's not a... Yeah. He's not a classic number nine where Aguero is more a, of a target man. He's not a talisman where you think you can... You know, I don't remember any brilliant Gabriel Jesus moment. I'm not... You know, I'm not... I'm only a casual Stoke City fan. I'm not a hardcore fan. But I don't remember these points where, you know, he's just... M- create stuff out of nothing where you think obviously you think of the Aguero moment when he won the league um, and that's like a classic Aguero moment that's a long time ago but you don't have those things with Jesus where you know he's got 47 goals in Premier League they're pretty good stats but you don't six goals this season isn't brilliant you, it's not what you're looking for from no, no. But, but I'd like to what I'd like to raise I'd like to play devil's advocate is he's only 23 I know that you've got Erling Haaland, who's obviously 20s, playing amazing football, amazing football. Uh, Mbappe's younger than that and obviously has loads and loads and loads of goals. But you don't talk about Jesus being a young talent, someone who can develop into an Aguero. And maybe he doesn't have the numbers at this age that other people have, but he's only 23. You don't talk, he isn't in these debates about young talents. And I don't think he should be talked about in the same young talent bracket as... Saka and Foden because he's three or four years older but he does have a lot of chance to develop and do you think that looking maybe more long term maybe not in the next maybe not this season maybe not next season but after that do you think he's got the potential to develop into a good enough player you see that's what I'm not sure because he's so inconsistent at the moment and I just don't know if he's good enough, like if he just has enough talent to be good enough because every time he's on the ball, he's throwing goal. He just seems wasteful. He just he seems reckless when his shooting. And yes, he scored two against Wolves, but the two goals he scored, one of them was a rebound of a defender's leg. The goalkeeper wasn't ready. He slotted at home. The other one was a similar kind of goal. I just don't feel... I feel like he won't doesn't have the talent to develop into a, a brilliant player because he's had so many games, so many chances, brilliant players to to serve him, to help him get goals. I mean, I just feel like he's wasteful chances and he just isn't scoring enough. To he's be, not yeah, he's not a player that's in the headlines. But I would say one point is that you're saying yeah, that his two goals against Wolves were tappings, but I think that's what he needs to be scoring. You want you want your striker to be scoring like that. To be honest, if a striker scores 20 tap-ins in a season, that's a good season. 
I don't think it's up to the striker to score, you know, Ballon d'Or goals. It's about just getting the goals. And if they come in from that, he's had to get himself into that position. I think I saw an Erling Haaland extract from an interview where the interviewer had said that it was just a tap-in. And he said, you may think that, but I had to be in that position. And I think it's really true that they're the kind of goals he should be scoring as a forward, as a striker, as a focal point. So I think... No, go on. I'm not sure that Jesus... However, comparing you saying that he has to be there, but that's what Aguero does so brilliantly. Is that he reads the game, he runs towards the ball, he goes in front of the players, he he's always looking for the ball. I feel like Jesus is more a player to sit back, let the ball come to him. He's not then why attacking should, the ball. He doesn't press as much. How should he use his movement if he's more of a? player that gets fed because his movement as a his movement is good as a winger so i was i think i'm not sure if he was watching but he constantly makes these darting runs from like the left or the right side of the box like yeah a lot of city players do and he does them well and he gets the ball but he's in the wrong position to score he's then in the position to cross it across the box but instead he tries to go for the goal but he never finishes it and i think He's just a wasteful player. Okay. No, that's interesting. And I think I'd agree that he needs to be pumping out better numbers. So I think to conclude this section, what would you do with... If you're the City manager, you're obviously a casual City fan. What would you do with Aguero? Because obviously he's been linked with Barcelona, whether that's true or not. And what would you do with Jesus? Would you keep him on, develop him, play him as a winger or sell him? So... Finish up, what would you do with him? I would keep Jesus. I would try and give Aguero an extended contract because I feel like the, currently the way we're treating him is a bit disrespectful because he's such a legend. And yeah, he's, but then again, Pep did come out saying that they're going to deal with this contract at the end of the season. So I hope because I'd like Aguero to stay. He does have injury problems, but he's still a brilliant player and he, he has goals in him. I think they, they shouldn't sell Jesus because, yes, he did say he's only 23, which is be quite rash to make a decision already to get rid of him. Because, what, we bought him when he was 19? So, but I think we do need another striker. Because with City is that we don't seem to be winning the most important games, like the most crucial games. It Like, example, in the Champions League, we don't win the... I just feel like we need a striker like Aguero who can just come up in big games and just have brilliant performances. That's a good good conclusion. Yes or no answer? Is Erling Haaland that player? He, I'm scared he'll flop because he's a brilliant player, but it has happened in the past because yeah. he's still young. He, he might not fit into the City system because he plays more freely. I'm, I'd like to see him at City because he's an amazing player, but I'm, but I'm not sure if he's that player. Cool. Thank you. Welcome back. We are back. And in this part of the sort of the show, if you want to call it that, we want to talk about our Premier League predictions because for those of you that will be unaware, which will be most of you, we both do Premier League predictions. You'll be able to see them every game week on our Instagram, which is at the casual footy fan podcast underscore. So check us out on there. And we make these predictions and we want to use this time to say 
to talk about our predictions, where we've got them wrong. And we both got the same one wrong this week, the Manchester derby. I predicted a 2-0 win for Manchester City. Casual City fan, and what I, did you predict? I predicted a 3-1 win for City. So both two-goal margins that we predicted, the two-goal margin went the other way. I think it's pretty obvious why we predicted what we did. Uh, I don't think that needs too much explaining. Incredible run of form, brilliant team. You've said it already, an inconsistent Man United. And we got it wrong. I know that you saw some of the game. I didn't. What are your thoughts? Where did it go wrong? Give us a debrief. Well, I was talking uh, to you, wasn't I, when the derby was on, when we went 1-0 down. And I didn't think about this when I was doing my predictions, but in the derby, especially the Manchester derby, it seemed like form doesn't matter. Yeah, you said It's all about the game. And another funny thing about the derby is that we always seem to lose at home and United always seem to lose at home. So when we went one of them, it wasn't a surprise to me, actually, that we'd gone one and down because United seemed to perform better than us in Manchester derbies because even if they're in an awful form, we're in a brilliant form. Yeah. And I think that's, I think we were too confident because I don't think we thought about, we thought about form, but we didn't think about the game because obviously the game, the bragging rights, everything, that yeah. motivates you as a player. And the City team might have been overconfident and then they go concede, yeah. concede the penalty in the first minute, and then they capitulate. What you're about talking you? about, yeah, you're talking about there being overconfident. I saw some clips of uh, Michael Richards before the game on his Instagram story. It's hilarious. He was, he was, he was confident in City, and we were confident in City. I don't blame him. Um, and yeah, he was laughing. He was laughing at Roy Keane. He was laughing at Graham Sounness. And after the game, I think, well, he said something like, humble pie has been served. It was brilliant. And everyone was confident around City. But maybe when you think about it, I don't know what you think about this this theory is, you can talk about um, sort of like romantics and methodical people, whereas, you know, methodical, you just focus on the process, you get it done. Whereas a romantic football club, you might, think about the occasion and how you play and less about the process, more about the feelings. And do you think that when it comes to the derby, it's obviously a very, very sort of emotional, high-tension game, although maybe you don't feel that's true with the Manchester derby, but do you think that United are more of a romantic club and are always up for the derby, whereas maybe City are more of a methodical club and they just got the tactics wrong? I feel like one thing I think feel like one thing that gives United a massive advantage in the derby is Ole is played in heaps of Manchester derby and he is the manager. So I think yeah. it cares more to him as well to get the bragging right. Yeah. Like compared to Pep, Spanish, before obviously managing Manchester City, he hasn't probably been that fussed about the actual derby. But I think that because Ole, Ole's played in derbies, he's won, he's probably yeah. lost. This means a lot to him. So he wants to get the game right. And he seems to always get the game right. Yeah, Last season, true. we lost Manchester derbies with Ole. And I feel like United United are more passionate in Manchester derbies. Yeah. They play they play more risky. We're too... We don't... I don't feel like we throw caution to the wind enough. Like, we were 
2-0 down and we're still doing our same thing. We need to be, we need to throw everything we've got at it. And I don't feel like Pep, we ever do that in games with Pep. We never throw the tactics in the bin and just, just everybody get forward. And I was watching the Juventus-Porto game and I feel like Juventus did do that in the end, but they did it too late. And I feel that's what you need a good football team is you need to sometimes just ignore what the manager said and just go forward and just throw yeah. everything you got, especially if you're too down already. Yeah. You can't carry on passing it through the back to the defenders and try to get a move to happen. No, no, that's a good that's a good point. And that that's good input that I I hadn't thought about. And always, you know, he's something of a United legend, it's fair to say that. And I'm sure that he's scored winning goals in those derbies and he does get it. I think that's a very good point. We won point. the Champions League, didn't we? The 99 treble, so he's quite yeah. a big player. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point. I think that actually sums it up really nicely in a way that I hadn't thought about. I think the other game we wanted to touch on quickly, if if you're ready to move on, is the Fulham the Fulham Liverpool game. We both got that wrong. I would argue I got it slightly less wrong. I predicted a draw. Uh, you predicted a Liverpool win. I predicted Liverpool, Fulham, 2-0 to Liverpool because I couldn't see Liverpool again for the sixth time in a row losing at home because I thought, surely they're not that bad. They still have brilliant players. They're a brilliant manager. Yeah. Especially, I don't think, I think Fabinho was back as well. I yeah. couldn't see them losing again because Fulham are in good form at the moment, but surely they have to have some sort of pride left and yeah. once again they go and lose 1-0 and I was baffled and I yeah I predicted a 1-1 draw I think I was thinking more of Fulham obviously an informed team I'm sure that you know in the weeks to come we're going to touch on that we're going to say are they going to escape relegation if they can continue that form but that's for another episode Liverpool obviously not and it is quite I'm not a Liverpool fan by any stretch of the imagination I know a lot of people who are um, but it is quite it's quite tough. For, it's obviously very tough for them. And it's it's like they've lost... Was it Jamie Carragher that said that they're now... They call them mentality midgets. Um, yeah. Klopp called them mentality monsters last year. And where do you think that... Obviously, it's gone wrong. They've obviously lost against Fulham. It's not, it's not great. But a lot of other teams have lost against teams of that stature. You know, obviously, um, United lost to Sheffield. It hap- it's happened this season, um, a few banana skins, you could say. But where do you think it's gone wrong for Liverpool? Obviously, injuries. Injuries have played a massive role. Do you think there's injuries more... Injuries are a big thing, but I also think another problem with Liverpool is Klopp isn't adapting to the new players he has. He isn't changing his tactics. He's still trying to go for the high-pressing, high-line kind of football, rock and roll football, like many people say. And I think he needs to change that now because it's no. not working. And I think half the players are doing that, half the players are not. So you got a little bit of a mixed bag. People are all over the place. Players are playing awfully because they're not, not playing as a team. They're playing everywhere. And I think I think Klopp has lost, lost the tactics a bit. He needs to try something new. I don't know. I feel yeah. like they ha- he's had... He's had a lot of injuries. I have to give him that. He's, yeah, no, it's been. He hasn't been able to play football. He's had awful injuries at the back. Yeah, and he's he's got players in, and I think he needs to realise that 
not every player is Van Dijk. Not every player can do what Van Dijk does. I think he needs to adapt to his new players and to change. Are you talking about Thiago? Because I know that he's obviously been a big signing. I think 20 million, it's not a lot in today's game. But he's obviously not, um, he hasn't performed in the way that it was hoped that he would. That's fair to say. Well, I feel like Thiago to Liverpool was always going to be a flaw because Thiago, he's not, He's not a fast-playing footballer. He's quite slow. He he slows the game down for Liverpool, which is the exact opposite of what Klopp wants. And Klopp, I, f- I remember against Leicester, I think, Klopp dropped him because he was doing that. And then he had to come on because Henderson was injured. But I feel like Thiago slows the play too much now for Liverpool. He's, Liverpool don't play with the creative midfielder. They play with defenders. They play with the wingers and their full-backs. Their source of creativity isn't coming from their midfield because normally in the midfield they have Wijnaldum, a CDM. They have uh, Henderson, a CDM. They don't play... They have Fabinho, also a CDM. They normally play from the wing and having Thiago there, just getting the ball and then just passing it back or passing a simple pass. He's not looking for those darting runs. He's not looking for the long balls. He's. I don't think he fits into the system at all. Yeah, no, that's what's been said. You know, I've heard a lot of uh, sort of pundits say things like that, and I think it may well be true. I've not, I haven't really got the chance to see him play, um, to be honest. But he's obviously a, a brilliant footballer. He was in a lot of, a lot of sort of the top five when the players voted um, for their top five players. He was, he was there a lot. Um, he's obviously a brilliant footballer, and it is a shame that it hasn't worked out. And whether it will work out remains to be seen. But since we're talking about Liverpool and form, do you, when do you think do you think Liverpool will turn it around? I do think they'll turn around soon because I think they'll start to realise that they do need European football because I think Klopp's job is at risk. And I think they I think the six line is the six loss in a row at home is surely where they draw a line where they say okay, scrap all of this. We go, we start again. And I think at the moment they're drawing nil-nil to RB Leipzig, which is not losing, so it's an improvement. But I think yeah. feel like they have to change something. And I feel like they will next game. This might sound odd as well, but I think they haven't got a home game for like three games now. <laughs> Aston Villa is the next one, isn't it? Yeah. Which you wouldn't normally like as a Liverpool fan, but at the moment you want to get... Get off no, I hope they can him. turn it around. And I I think that Klopp, he's a legend of the club. He'll always be a legend of the club. I hope that he will stay, keep that status. And I think that his job is safe, fairly safe, regardless of what happens. But I think to finish up this section about Liverpool, I'd like to say that it's obviously been really a really tough time for them, not only with injuries, but obviously um, Klopp's mum passed away recently. And that takes a big that would take a big impact on someone. So I hope that they can turn it around and I'd like to see them turn it around. Whether they do it against Leipzig, whether it happens further on, I'd like to see them do it, but I would quite like it if my top four prediction came correct. Yeah. What, with Leicester? (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) So that marks the end of our first episode, first proper episode of the Casual Footy Fan Podcast. I've really enjoyed making it. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. Um, So make sure we've got lots more episodes coming up. Make sure you listen to us on Spotify, 
check us out on Instagram at the Casual Footy Fans Podcast underscore. We've got predictions on there. Let us know what you think of our predictions. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Give us suggestions. We've got lots more coming. So listen, follow, and we'll see you very soon. Thank you.